Hello, and welcome to the Bookish Banter Podcast, where we'll be sharing our opinions about our favorite books, authors, and bookish impulse buys. Follow along on our journey to finishing and sharing our endless TBR. Go ahead and subscribe, leave us a review, and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, how's it going? Great. I'm so excited. excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. I have a special guest on today, an Arizona native. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Liana De La Rosa, and I write historical romance and my new book, Ana Maria in the Fox, which is the first book in my Victorian Latinx series titled The Luna Sisters, is out on April 4th. I'm so excited. This cover is gorgeous. They did a great job. They really did. I'm. It's like the cover of my dreams. I'm so yeah. happy with it. <laughs> Mine too. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so pretty. I love it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, as I stare at it right now while we yeah, talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know I like had it on my desk earlier. I was like, I'm just going to look at this for a little while. <laughs> so we asked all of our guests a series of questions. So we'll start with those. And my first question is, what is your favorite standalone? Oh gosh, that's so hard. And people actually have answers to this. I'm like, how do you narrow it down? I like to, to put you one? right on the spot straight away. <laughs> I know. I'm like staring at my um my bookshelf right now trying to decide. Okay. I'll say this because it's kind of like fresh on my mind right now. I read a book by debut author, Aaron Langston called Forever Your Rogue. And it is amazing. It's historical romance. It um, features a young widow with two young children who's like trying to keep their family together because they, at the time they were young minors were given like um, conservators essentially that oversaw like their inheritance. The conservators are, which they have a different name that I can't think of right now. Of course not. But they're trying to take the kids away from the mom. So she has this like fake dating plan to keep her family together by acting like she's in this engagement with this like renowned rate. And of course, fake engagement, fake betrothal, of course they fall in love. And it's just beautifully written. Like I just can rave about it all day. So it's called Forever Your Rogue by Erin Langston. Right now, it's just a delicious historical romance. I love that. That sounds riveting. (laughs) I'm like going to add that to the list right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it has a beautiful cover. They're like smiling on the cover. It's just, it's, it's fantastic. Oh, we love that. I like it. Okay. So second to that, what is your favorite series to read? Oh, favorite series. Another excellent question. Um, you know, the first one that pops into my head, well, actually that's not true. Two of them popped into my head is the Immortals After Dark series okay. by Cressley Cole. I am embarrassed to admit I have not read the newest release that came out last year. I own it. Yeah. I just haven't read it. I've just Always. been so busy with other stuff. So definitely that one. And then also Ruby Dixon's Ice Planet Barbarians and Ice Home. Awesome. They're maybe because both those series are so like there's such an escape for me. I just like love to lose myself in them. So definitely those two. Come those to are really great choices. I Planet Barbarians is very popular. I can yeah. see where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a fan for years. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of books to read, so you'll never run out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Awesome. Okay. So who is your ultimate book boyfriend? And it can be someone you wrote because you made him. Hard question. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I will say this. As a Lisa Kleypas fan, I have what I've dubbed my my Lisa Kleypas three, like my top three mm-hmm. heroes that she's written. And those would be Sebastian, Lord St. Vincent from Devil in Winter. The other next one would be Leo Hathaway from her Hathaway series. And then the third one would be West Ravenel 
from the um, the Ravenel series. And his book was, oh gosh, I'm trying to find it on my bookshelf. Because <laughs> of course I am. The Duke's Daughter, The Duke's Daughter, I believe is, is that one. And um, all three of those heroes are very dry and witty and they're all yeah. kind of rakish. And then the heroine like brings them to their knees. I adore heroes like that that's so a great trope yeah those are my <laughs> my my lisa claypa's top three i love that okay <laughs> second to that who's your ultimate book girlfriend so your favorite like female character oh that's such a I know. good question <laughs> yeah i will say i really like phoebe in alicia thompson's love in the time of serial killers yeah i know some people some readers probably think she's unlikable and prickly i loved that about her like i i just loved how complex she was and I liked being in her head while she kind of viewed her world. I thought she was really fantastic. Right now, I would say she's probably one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, I love that book. It is so good. Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good choice. I like that. She's like, the, gives me like 90s nostalgia too. Like just the way that she acts about life. I'm yes. like, I love it. Yeah. And I love that she's paired then with her male main character. Her love interest is such a like cinnamon roll. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. a perfect balance between the two. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's so fair. I love that. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started as an author and all the, the fun things that go with that? Sure. So I actually started writing um, in 2014. I had uh, just had a my second child and, and I was a stay-at-home mom, like newly maybe before that kid was born, I started to stay home and I was kind of floundering a bit and I fell into reading romance novels and I was devouring everything I could find I had a new kindle it was like always in front of my face and it was like such a lovely escape and my husband asked me one day why I didn't try writing my own book and it kind of set me on the path of trying to trying to write on my own and that very first book I wrote will never see the light of day. It will live under my bed. I cut my teeth on it. I learned all kinds writing it, but oh gosh, I would never share with anybody. But I ended up participating in different contests and because that was what we would do back in the day when we needed to get like feedback on our writing. You would enter like writing contests through Romance Writers of America or different various chapters. And through doing that, I kind of was able to create a big group of writing friends who are still my friends to this day. And so they were with me when I got my first book deal with Entangled. I wrote a four book late Regency romance series with Entangled. I got an agent and I've been with her since, oh, I want to say 2018. And we pitched several series to two big five publishers over a few years. And none of them were able to find a home. And I think it's because I write, like, I write a little differently. Yeah. So my books are, um, especially the series, the Luna Sister series is set in Victorian London, but it features Latinx characters. I had a series before that we were pitching with Victorian mountain climbers that was like set, a large portion of the series was set like in the Himalayas because they were climbing mountains. And I had a series um, with lady detectives set in um, the tenement buildings of, in New York City, like in the 18, I want to say in the 1860s. So it's always kind of a little different. And so I wasn't really finding like people were really interested, but it was always like, well, we don't know how we market that, which was very frustrating. So when yeah. I came, when I created my Luna Sister series, I was very, very lucky that Berkeley jumped on it 
immediately. And I think it was a little bit of that Bridgerton bump because yeah. um, they snatched it <laughs> after Bridgerton came out and was like this smashing success. So I'm really excited because this is the first time that I'm writing characters with my cultural heritage. I'm Mexican-American and, and Puerto Rican. I'm a Mexican, as <laughs> my family calls it. But my three heroines, the, the heart of the Luna Sister series, are from Mexico. And uh, they flee when the French invade in the 1860s and flee to London and um, kind of take London society by storm. And yeah. so I'm really excited to share their stories and to kind of shed a light on like a new often overlooked time in history and um these three characters have my heart they're I loved pouring so much of my own his like cultural history into them it's been great yeah I loved how vibrant the book was and like I I really I don't know if Regency romance is like my favorite romance genre, but the more I read it, the more I appreciate when you can tell that you guys have done like a lot of research on the era. And we got so much of that. I think for me, the reason I don't like Regency is because women have to like sit there and be like quiet and sad. And it's like, I have a hard time reading that. And I loved their personalities in this and how Gabby was so outspoken. And, you know, she got to kind of be herself and like their, their journey going from being, you know, underneath essentially their father's thumb and then coming out into society and like society was their kind of awakening. And yes. I really liked that and that you got so much of their culture and like, it felt so vibrant when they talked about, you know, living in Mexico and all the things that they cared about back home. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yay, I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about your journey with traditional publishing, working with Berkeley and what that's been like? Absolutely. So uh, like I said, I was with a smaller publisher before and it was a great way to kind of dip my toes into publishing to kind of um, get a peek at the process. And it's so much more involved, I think, than we realized. There's so many rounds of editing and then there's copy editing and then there's past pages and then there's typesetting and, you know, there's the cover and, you know, all of it. It's very, very detailed. And with Ana Maria and the Fox specifically, I also had several authenticity readers or sensitivity readers who read for different aspects of the book to make sure that I was, you know, being authentic in my portrayal of the characters in the story. And, but that's additional feedback that you have to take into account. So my experience with Entangled, I think, prepared me now for working with Berkeley. And I was really luck lucky to have the opportunity to work with my editor at Berkeley. Her name is Sarah. And she works with, thank goodness, the authors that she works with. She works with Allie Hazelwood. She works with Evie Dunmore and Mimi Matthews and Harper St. George and just like these like amazing authors. And I remember telling my agent like back after after the book deal closed and whatnot, I was like, I don't want to be Sarah's like black sheep author right like I want to also like she has like these superstar authors that she works with and I like want to like be someone that she wants to share too right like I want my book to like do really well too because I don't want to be that black sheep but she's been really fantastic to work with kind of guiding me through the process because even though I was published previously working with Berkeley and working on the series is I felt like a different level like they've taken it to a different level and I've just been blown away by how supportive they've been with my story and where I want to go with it. There was some creative decisions that I made that I wasn't sure that they would support, not just with Ana Maria and the Fox, but with the subsequent books, because I've already written book two and I'm writing book three. And I was kind of like worried of what they would say about it. But 
Sarah, my editor has just been so supportive, just really excited, um, really embracing my vision for these, these sisters, which I really appreciate because they are bringing a very different perspective to historical romance and um, a very shining a very different lens on history than I think most readers are used to. And I appreciate that Berkeley has really just embraced it and supported it. And I mean, look at the cover, right? They just really gave it the best outfit I could ask for to like launch <laughs> it into the world. So I'm like really excited. And it's been it's been a dream to work with them so far. That's awesome. Yeah, I've talked to quite a few Berkeley authors and every time they just talk about how great an experience it is. So mm. I definitely wanted to see how it's going for you. And it's so yes. great to hear when you guys are having, you know, I think traditional publishing feels so intimidating. And it's always great to hear like you guys get to put such a big part of your imprint and your thoughts into, um, mm -hmm. you know, being part of the publisher. And it's always like, it's so fun to hear that you guys are having a great time doing it. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think I went into this experience, at least for me personally, I went into it with the thought that I may never be here again yeah. like in this position <laughs> because you never know, like publishing is a very hard business. So I wanted to kind of just really go for it. And so that's why I was willing to kind of, I wanted to write these books the way I wanted to write them and to tell these women's stories in a certain way. And um, I'm so thankful that Berkeley was all on board for it. I really yeah. appreciated that. Yeah, I love that. And this is such a different view, I think, on Regency romance. Like, there, it's such a slow burn. But at the same time, you're learning a lot about these characters like motivations. And I loved getting that historical element of, you know, what was going on at the time period and what affects both Fox and Anna Maria and like how different their life is and how different their upbringing was and how they both kind of suffered in, in different ways. So yeah. yeah. And you mentioned about it being a slow burn. And it is so <laughs> slow. But I tried to bring these two idiots together like earlier in the book. Yeah. I tried writing it like all different kinds of ways, trying to get them to kiss sooner, to do sooner. And it just it didn't work because that's yeah. not who they are as characters. Like they it I needed to be true to who they were as people. And this is the end result. And I think it yeah, it's okay. It's you make up for it at the end. It's nice and Good. spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I know. Yeah. I just I specifically remember telling my editor, I'm like, look, I made readers wait to this point. So I got to kind of deliver for them. Yeah. <laughs> gotta be like nonstop at the end there. Yeah. No, I love that. What made you decide to write in this time period and, you know, what was going on in history at the time? So I've kind of written in different time periods. I tend to, my earlier books were set in the 1830s. So towards like that middle ground between the Regency era and the Victorian era, I kind of liked playing with that time because there were new technological like advances happening and politics was changing um, a bit. There was reforms happening. So I kind of like sending my books during that time. And um, I have two novellas that are set in like the 1850s that I specifically chose because I wanted to set them like around like the railway and when it was starting to get started. Um, as far as the Luna sisters and Anna Maria and the Fox, I specifically set it during the early 1860s when the during the French occupation of Mexico because it plays a very large part in the plot. And that all came about because I was researching immigration records and I came across like records of Mexicans emigrating to the, the UK and to Europe overall. And I was like, what was happening that would cause them to move to Europe. And I remember the French occupation and that kind of like was like the, the spark that, that created the idea around the whole series. And 
I just think it's such a fascinating time in history. I have a pretty extensive author's note in the book that kind of delves a little bit into what was happening um, in history at this time. Most Americans, when, will, when they hear of this, will, will think, oh, the Civil War was occurring. And it was. The Civil War was raging in the United States. But because of that sort of power imbalance, other things were happening in the world. People were taking advantage. Mexico was in heavy debt to um, several European countries like Spain, England, and France. And um, France took advantage of it. And because the United States, who is Mexico's greatest ally, was distracted by the Civil War, France was able to kind of um, make make a play on getting gaining power in Mexico, which sparks everything that happens in the series, because that's why the sisters flee to London. And um, I'm a history nerd. I just love it. And so my first drafts are usually just full of historical details because I have to tell somebody what I've learned. Like I have to take that nugget of information. I have to share it with somebody, even though I know most of the time that my editor is going to cut it, but she has to read it first. Yeah. Just right? has to get out on the page. First. <laughs> exactly. She has to read it first and that. then she can cut it. So it used to kind of like, I used to feel bad about it on my first few times of writing. And now I'm just like, look, this is part of my process. I have to unload all these really cool details. And then I can start focusing, whittling them down and like focus on the romance. But um, I just think that this time period that the Luna Sister series is set just offers a lot of um, cultural, political fodder to like play with. And I just find that very fascinating. Yeah, I loved that. And I think that there's so much, I don't know what the word is that's not dynamic as like a description, but it's like, it's a super dynamic, you know, environment that they're in where they're trying to navigate this whole thing of the ton and how different it is from like being in Mexico. But at the same time, they're like, it's so crazy to sit here and go to these parties and not think about, you know, what's happening where they're from. And at the yes. same time, like Fox's motivations of him being like, I don't know how to tell you all that, like what is happening outside of everything that's happening in the ton is relevant and how wrong it is. And I really liked mm -hmm. how they didn't feel like characters that were shoving their morals down other people's throats. And like, it felt very realistic. Like this is how so frustrated glad. they would be. And like, you know, this is how they would really feel. And they would have to, you know, bite their tongue at some points in time. And I loved how you set that up and made them these sort of like stoic characters. But then mm -hmm. when they were behind closed doors, you know, they have such an amazing personality and they bring it all out and the really snarky banter. So I thought that was really great. That's a great way to put it too. Cause I feel like one of the reasons why Gideon, the male main character and Ana Maria get along so well is I feel like they both know that they're playing a game Yeah, and that they have to, their rules to follow to play this game. Even if Ana Maria doesn't want to necessarily play it, she also understands that she has to, but that when they're together behind closed doors, they can be their real selves. They yeah. recognize that the other person's wearing a mask. And there's, I think they build like a trust and a friendship so that when they do eventually come together, they have such a strong foundation to go off. Yeah. Of. Yeah. So and I feel like everything fun. between them is kind of like a little inside joke, which I think makes a really yeah. good dynamic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I like Love that. to hear it. So where did you get the motivation or ideas for Gideon Fox and the Luna sisters as characters specifically? So the ladies came to me first and I knew that there was three of them. And initially they were cousins. I actually went back and found the old notes. I, I don't even remember what I was looking for. And I came across, I'm like, oh, that's right. They were supposed to be cousins. And I changed them to sisters because I liked the dynamic of them 
um, having grown up with a very domineering father and not being able to form sisterly, like a sisterly relationship until they left. Because I, I obviously like, as I'm a romance writer, right? So I obviously like the whole romantic arc where your, your main protagonist start at the beginning of the book and where they end it. But I was also really drawn to the idea of having an arc for the sisters, like where they start at the beginning of the book and where they end it. And maybe because I have younger siblings, I have a younger sister and brother who were very close. My mother has four sisters. We have a very big family that's very, like, I just have nothing but good memories. And I was thinking about how it would feel for Ana Maria to have grown up and, and not have those kind of bonds with her sisters and then suddenly be forced to depend upon them. Like they only have each other once they leave. Only the three of them know what they left behind and the legacy that they're carrying and the fortune that they're carrying. And so it felt important for me to explore that. And this seemed like the best way to do that. As for Gideon, I'll be really honest. I didn't really know him as like as well as I did the sisters until maybe like halfway through writing the book where I finally started to to figure out who he was. And sometimes that's what happens until I actually put a character on the page and see him interact with the other characters. I don't I don't really know. But once he started interacting with Ana Maria and he started interacting with his friends, and once I kind of got a better grip on him, I just I knew he was a man who was self-made, who was told who very much feels like he has this opportunity in his hands to do all the things he wants to do and he dares not step out of line and so he keeps himself buttoned up because he's not going to no one's going to be able to fault him for anything and so he in many ways is like Ana Maria's father in so much that they were both self-made men who brought themselves up for where Ana Maria's father was very hard and very ambitious and driven and was willing to do whatever it took to kind of bring himself up and to gain the power he wanted. Gideon is using the power he gets to help others. And he's very thoughtful of others and, and recognizes recognizes where he can help. And I think that that kind of was a conflict that came into play when he met Ana Maria because one, she was off limits because she was already... Like her father brokered a political marriage for her. So she technically has a fiance in Mexico. So she's off limits. And then two, he feels like he needs a certain kind of bride to like move up and to continue his career and whatnot. And obviously Ana Maria doesn't represent that until she does, until she's yeah. everything that he didn't even know that she wanted. And I had a lot of fun with him. I really liked him, how very principled he was and how he wasn't willing to compromise who he was and what he wanted. But then that didn't stop him that when Ana Maria needed him, like he stepped up and yeah, I, I kind of liked playing with that dynamic in the latter part of the book when he kind of yeah. loses his head a little bit. Right. We love a buttoned up man who just gives it all away for a woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the other way around. I love it. Yes. That's awesome. That's really great to hear. I was going to ask you where you got the motivation for the dynamics between the, the three sisters and how all of that worked, but you answered that question. So okay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was so interested because I love the way that, you know, they also got their own kind of character arc and they're so old at that point to have not interacted and had a lot of time together, but at the same time, like they don't really know each other and they don't, and it's, you know, I think that happens a lot with siblings where you guys grow up together and then you sort of miss out on your 
adult years and these girls are essentially adults and it's like they missed it in childhood and now they get to come together as adults which i thought was a really kind of fun dynamic yeah. and on their own terms i really like yeah. that they do it on their own terms and while they're each figuring out who they want to be they can be sisters with each other I yeah i really love that and they all have really great personalities. So I really liked that. Yay. What's kind of next for them? I know I'm assuming the other two get their own book. So what's the they future do. for the Luna sisters look like? So book two is Isabel's book. I will just tell you, it's called Isabel and the Rogue is out next June. And I can't give away a whole bunch of her book yet, but I had more fun writing her book than I anticipated. And I don't know why, maybe because like, Gabby is a more vocal character when she's on the page. She's very much a scene stiller. So I, and Isabel is much more reserved, like that middle child. She has like a lot of quiet strength to her and a lot of like secrets that I really enjoyed um, writing. And she is paired up with Captain Dawson, which we meet in Ana Maria and the Fox. And he is the rogue in question <laughs> in the title. <laughs> And um, it's more of a kind of a enemies to friends to lovers. And it was a, a, a lot of fun. And right now I'm currently writing Gabby's book. Okay. It, Gabby's book is called Gabriella and the Duke. So. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And <laughs> yes. you get to meet both of those men in this one. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Get a little taste test. <laughs> exactly. I'm not terribly far into the book yet, even though I, I know what happens. And Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's going to be sort of, I will say that it will be obviously an enemies to lovers because those two are always like bickering yeah. with each other, but it's also kind of like a road trip romance, but okay. on the sea because they go to Mexico. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been fun so far yeah. to write. Much like this one, are your other characters going to be in the next two books as well? Like Gideon and Ana Maria and all of them, are they going to be in these next books too? They will. They will okay. be appearing, but not like extensively, but yeah. they will make appearances. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I mm -hmm. love that. So if you could pick any character that you've written in these books, who would be your best friend and why do you relate to them the most? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hard because I, well, I just want to be friends with all three sisters. <laughs> it would yeah. be hard to choose because I want to be like, well, oh, I really like Issa, but then I also really love Gabby. Like she would be the best. She'd be like the best wing woman. Yeah, she definitely um, uh -huh. yeah. And then Ana Maria is just like really caring and like like look out for you. Um, so I don't know if I could choose between the okay. three. Or it would be really fun to like just get a drink with the dude yeah. in the field. Okay. Because I think he would be an excellent conversationalist. Okay. Are there yeah. any sisters you relate to the most? It's probably a cop out to say all three, but okay. really I um I feel like I relate to them in a lot of ways. And obviously I feel like I relate a lot to Ana Maria because I'm also an eldest daughter. Yeah. So I understand like a lot of like her her struggles and her desire to like look after her sisters and to be perfect and set like an example. These are all yeah. things that I can relate to. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. So for anyone that doesn't know, this is a dual POV. What made you decide to write it in the dual POV versus just doing it in Ana Maria's perspective? Okay. So this is a great question. And honestly, I've only ever written dual POVs. Okay. I think it's it's pretty popular for historical romances to have um, dual POVs. I'm trying to think of any that are single. I'm sure there's some and I just can't think of them. So I think for like the genre, it's um, pretty standard to have dual POVs. 
but wouldn't it be fun to just do single? I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> like this book would be like, it would be a completely different book, but it would probably be a lot of fun if like, we never got to think about or read what Gideon was thinking. Cause he's so starchy yeah, and like uptight and exactly. Yeah. So that would kind of, that would actually be really fun, but alas, <laughs> I didn't even think about it. It's both, and that's why we read it because we want to know what men are thinking. So <laughs> I know. And then also, there's yeah. like that pressure: like, would a man really think like this? And right, like, right. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, it's good, good mental exercise for you. Yes, I could never. <laughs> um, so, how is this series different than your previous series that you've uh, written? Um, well, the setting's a little different. So like technology is a little different, which is so much more fun. You yeah. know, they can, the trips didn't take as long. There was more, you know, advances at their fingertips to use. Also, I feel, uh, I feel like the dynamic of riding around sisters creates a more intimate feeling, at least me personally. Um, in my past series, I've written, you know, I've had a siblings like maybe in two books or uh, like a friend group or whatever mm -hmm. but I just think that there's a, a totally different feeling of writing three siblings who are also fish out of water yeah so they don't have the comforts of home and kind of having to navigate like a new like a whole new world essentially for them and I think that that dynamic helps bring them these three sisters together and for me at least writing them I, I just feel like their world even though it's so vast because there's so much um, world politics at play um, which obviously is evident in Anna Maria and the Fox but there's so much going on politically and culturally and whatever but I feel like at least for me personally like their relationships feel more insular and yeah. more you know like I said intimate and, and like I, important, yeah, exactly. And I, I really like that, and yeah. I really enjoyed and and have tried to kind of keep that feel through the next two books in the series. Like there might be a lot going on, but the the relationships at the heart of it are, I hope, still feel personal. Yeah, I like that too. When coming into it, it's kind of like, yes, this is her book, but at the same time, Anna Maria is like the sister of these two girls, and. Like that they, you kind of get this like three main character, but they don't really yes. necessarily share the same amount of screen time. And I think that's really great, too, because it's not like you had to write this, but like whenever there's a situation that doesn't make sense, it's like, no, but they're siblings. So they have to do it for each other. Or like when something's really hard, it's like, but they're sisters. So they have to kind of work through it. Mm -hmm. And I really like that dynamic, like you were saying, versus like a friend group where, you know, yes. it's inconvenient, but I could also just like kick you loose. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> because there's there's they're literally all together like they yeah. live together and they're kind of navigating this new world together and so um it just feels uh, I, I I don't know I feel more personal I, yeah. at least to me I really like Very it. Bridgerton I like that yeah yes. <laughs> awesome so uh who was the hardest character for you to write it's an excellent question and it oh, probably Gideon okay yeah definitely the one <laughs> of the main protagonists just because I, well, I'm writing a man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's hard. And then just everything he was trying to accomplish and who he was as a person and what he had overcome. And um, I just wanted to get him right. I wanted, to, I felt like I owed it to him as a character to tell his story as authentically as possible. And um, he's so buttoned up. Yeah. Um, 
even to me, like writing him to, to find ways to kind of get him to loosen up mm-hmm. was a challenge, um, which is why they kissed. They didn't kiss till later in the book yeah. because um, he was just so honorable. And um, I, I know that probably sounds silly to some when you're, I'm the one writing him. Like I can write him however I wanted, yeah. but if I wanted to write him authentically, like there was a way to do it. And um, figuring out how to do that took me a while. Yeah. Totally valid. I could never write a man. I'll just say it. <laughs> I could never write a book, but I could specifically never write a man. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's really difficult to kind of go in and be like, what do women want? And at the same time, like what feels authentic and like, does feel like a guy. And I think he's one of those ones that has like really great motivations, but at the same time, it's so precarious, like at that time period, because yeah you know, he's sort of skating the line and and for different reasons. And I loved that you talked about two different characters who are in, you know, like a marginalized community, but are going through totally different things Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of have to battle that on their own while also being able to like help each other. So I thought that was really beautifully done. Thank you. Yeah, I I love hearing that. (laughs) So what made you decide to kind of write in the Regency genre for all of your books? Would you ever write something contemporary or are you more drawn to that? It's forever thing. <laughs> that is a great question. I would never say never. I feel like I have a very historical voice. Yeah. And this was reiterated to me because I sometimes write fan fiction. I haven't written any in in a while, but when I did, um, this was after I was published. I had a friend who was like beta reading like one of my AUs, which was like contemporary set and she was like flagging some of my dialogue and some of the way I said things and she's like this feels very historical and I'm like oh it's just part of like my voice I I would love to do it for like the right project and for Mm -hmm. like the right thing I've had ideas before but none of them felt like the one like the one I wanted to pursue or to even just invest myself my time my emotions into but maybe one day I'll never say never. Okay. (laughs) I love that. I think a lot of the times it's like Regency or that like era, like historical fiction and historical fantasy. It's very easy to write like problems away because they don't have technology to solve that. So it's just like, I don't know. We couldn't figure it out because nobody could get a letter to that guy. (laughs) We don't have a carriage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It it comes with its own set of um, pros and cons for sure. But maybe because I'm familiar with them, it feels more comfortable yeah okay that makes sense for sure Mm -hmm. so going into Anna Marie and the Fox did you have a list of like tropes you wanted to do or did that just kind of come naturally for your characters it usually comes naturally so as part of like my process when I'm first kind of noodling over an idea kind of settling on tropes that I want to play with is either the first or the second thing I decide upon and it depends on the characters sometimes I don't know the characters yet and so I, I might play around with tropes uh zero in on who the characters are going to be sometimes I know who the characters are like in this case I knew it was three sisters but I didn't necessarily know who they would be paired up with mm-hmm. so I kind of played around with who, who what I knew about each sister and kind of like wrote it down and kind of wrote down characteristics of each of them that I knew and then I went okay what trope would play well with these three and I like knew instantly that for Gabby like enemies to lovers because she 
of who she is as a person. She's, you know, take no nonsense. She is very bluntly honest. And so it would just (laughs) be fun to like pair her with someone who was going to give it back to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was easy for me to write down. Um, Issa was a little bit harder um, just because she's more quiet and reserved. And I didn't want her to like be overpowered by whoever I paired her with. So um, I knew that that they would have to be friends because she would have to trust this other person to like reveal that about her. So the antagonistic part of their relationship honestly didn't come until I was writing it, (laughs) until I was writing Anna Money and the Fox. And then she first appears on the page with Captain Dawson and they immediately started sparking when I was writing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess that they're going to start off kind of bickering with each other too. Okay. And I kind of went with it, but they much more like they become friends because it was essential for her to be able to open up and then with Anna Maria and the Gideon was sort of like the same thing I knew yeah. because they were two honorable duty-bound people that someone was going to have to force their hand to get together or they yeah. were not going to so I was like oh they have to get married so it's going to be a marriage of convenience so Love that. I hope that makes sense so yeah it, definitely but, yeah, okay. I was curious because I was like do you you know I always wonder like do you write it all out and you're like okay I'm gonna make like a grumpy sunshine and enemies to lovers and like you know, marriage mm-hmm. of convenience or how is that going to come together? So I was just curious yeah. like that. What was the hardest scene for you to write in this one? Oh, oh, that is a really good question. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm like racking my brain because a bunch of different scenes are coming to me. I I definitely struggled with what happened after the wedding, mm, like okay. how to kind of approach that because Gideon and Ana Maria had kind of circled around each other. They had like they both knew that they couldn't be anything toward, you know, they, they, they had, didn't have a future together. Yeah. And so now finally they do. And so how do you bridge that gap? Like, how do you feel comfortable with this person that you have kind of pined for this whole time, but didn't think you could ever have. And now suddenly right. you do have them like, and them as people, they weren't just going to like fall all over each other. That's just not who they are. And so I, rewrote that whole chapter I want to say a few times trying to get it right there was like I have like a deleted scene where Gideon actually goes downstairs and has like a conversation with Whitfield and Dawson and they're like what are you doing here shouldn't you be upstairs with your new bride and he's like I don't even remember what he said, but I do remember Whitfield's like, I just knew that this was going to happen. Do you need us to tell you what you need to do? Like, (laughs) you know, and um, my editor rightly was like, no, he, he doesn't, he shouldn't leave. Right. He needs to stay with Anna Maria. And I was like, okay. You know, I was kind of bummed to have to cut that scene because the other two men give him so much crap for it. It was so fun to write, but it just wasn't right for that. So I, I, um, that was definitely like a struggle to kind of figure out how to kind of like seamlessly work into like lead the reader into their married phase. Right. Cause it's a marriage of convenience, but they also like each other. So we don't have to do the like slow burn figuring out if they do falling in love at the end, like fake dating type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. They've been burning this whole time. Yeah. They're actually excited to be married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which is a really fun dynamic. I love that. So in contrast to that, what was your favorite scene to write? Excellent question. I want to say, okay, my favorite scene to write was definitely the poetry reading scene. Okay. Because 
it was actually something completely different at first. And I can't tell you what it was. So I have to look, but the scene was structured very differently. And, um, I changed it up. And as soon as I changed it and I knew it was, they were going to be at this poetry recital. I just knew like all of a sudden, like all the like Tetris pieces fell into place. Yeah. And I knew how that would all play out. And so it kind of just like flowed. The only thing was finding like a seamless way to get Gideon and Ana Maria to actually talk because mm. they're both so steadfastly like avoiding each other at the beginning of that scene. And I needed a way to like break the ice where they could actually have a conversation and they could be together. And I needed some way to get the sisters to go go they yeah, yeah. To go so that they could talk but I actually had a lot of fun with that scene and I liked being able to kind of like release Gabby to be her sister's defender because she loves that role yeah and um I wanted Gideon to be in a position where he could stand up for them in a way that felt true to who he was as right. a person so yeah that was a fun scene I like that. That was a, I agree. That was a great scene. <laughs> that is awesome. So where can everybody find you? What's the best place to get in touch with you on the line? Online? I am, I'm pretty, I like I'm on all the things at Liana in bloom, even though I am most active on Instagram. So okay. I'm, I'm on Instagram more, but I am on Twitter. I'm on TikTok and my website is Liana de la Rosa.com. Awesome. I can reach there too. I love that. Okay, perfect. So you have a book tour coming up. What events are you attending for the promotion of this new amazing book? I will be at the Ripped, but I will, I do have an event at the Ripped Bodice at the beginning of April. And then I will be, um, for anyone in the Phoenix area, I will be at Changing Hands Bookstore on April 4th, which is release day. Yeah, so I'll be celebrating the launch of the book at six o'clock at Changing Hands at the Tempe location on April 8th, which is a Saturday. I will be at Mostly Books in the Tucson, in Tucson, um, Arizona. And I will be chatting with author Jen DeLuca, who is amazing and has written, um, the Ren Fair books. Um, I believe her most recent book is Well Traveled. Um, we'll be chatting about Ana Maria and the Fox and signing books. I will be at Book Bonanza this summer in mm -hmm. Texas, and I will also be at the Steamy Lit Con in Anaheim in uh, August. Oh my gosh, so fun. That one's going to be really fun. I am very excited. It's going to be a great time. Gosh, that's awesome. You have so many events you're going to. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, those are all the questions I have. Do you have anything else you wanted to share? Any questions you have? No, not this time. I'm so glad that we got to talk. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and I had a great time and I'm obsessed with the cover. I'm obsessed with the book <laughs> and I can't wait to share it and I can't wait for it to be out. So I'm super Yay! excited. Bye. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you aren't following us, go ahead and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at the Bookish Banter Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. And thank you guys again for all of your support. Have a great day.